I saw the layup at Christmas and Larry got the rebound. And as soon as he threw the ball, I was like, oh, I know exactly what's about to happen. But I was still like the video doesn't do it justice. I, I feel like the video on the internet does not, doesn't do any justice for that dunk because watching it live and being on the baseline, if you look on the bench, I might have or may not have fainted. Welcome to another episode of the CJ McCollum Show. I'm joined, as always, by Izzy Gutierrez. And we have a special guest who also plays for the New Orleans Pelicans. He goes by the name of Trey Murphy. We are recording this podcast in Utah in between games. We have a little vacation in Utah where we drop the first game. We'll play them um, Thursday night at 7 p.m. Um, mountain time. And then we'll travel to play the great Phoenix Suns once again for the third time in a week. But you got to do one of these real quick. Just get that game out of you, out of your system from last night. Just get that all out of there because that game was some nonsense. I don't even know what was going on, but uh, let's forget about that one. That hey, Trey. Game. Absolutely. <laughs> real quick, before we start asking you anything, uh, I want to add because Trey Murphy, the third, you know, you got two trays in the name. Obviously, you got to be a three point shooter there. How, your real name's Ken, your full name, first name is Kenneth, right? Oh, yeah. That, that's my I bring full this name. up because, okay, I bring this up because my favorite, like, but a uh, nickname is Buddy Heald because his real name is Chavano Rayner Heald. And so, <laughs> Trey, it's Kenneth, it's not that crazy, but how'd you get the nickname Trey? I mean, really, it was because I am the third Kenneth. And so that's why they named me Trey. So, really, Trey Murphy the third isn't like a real thing, but Murphy the third is real. And I might, and I go by Trey. So they just put them together and it sounds pretty cool. So we just go along with it. Okay. So it could be Kenneth Murphy the third. It's not. It's not. Could be. That's what it actually is. But <laughs> oh, wow, I didn't know that. I'm your teammate. That's crazy. Yeah, I don't tell people my my real name a lot. So I don't think Buddy Hill does either. Yeah. Chavano. Neither does uh, Tremonte or whatever John Morant's name is. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> something like that. Demetrius or something. Whatever his name is. There it is. But let's get started. Let's talk a little bit about. <clears throat> growing up in Durham, I say that right? Durham, North Carolina. Sure. Talk, a, talk a little bit about what your upbringing was like in Durham, North Carolina, the recruiting process that you went through and how you ended up at Rice before transferring to Virginia. Cause I think a lot of people don't understand the true story of that process that you went through playing in COVID, not having the red shirt because of the COVID year and what went into that. So growing up in Durham, I lived probably like 15 minutes away from downtown and that's where a lot of the basketball activities were happening. And my mother and my father, I was living with them in the suburban part of Durham. And, you know, I would just go to practice every day, like just work on my game. And, you know, when I first started, I was five years old and I didn't score one point the entire season. And I used to run up and down the court with my hands in my pockets. So, you know, somebody would pass me the ball, just hit me in the chest. So I wasn't really focus on basketball at that age. And then my dad was like, look, you're not going to embarrass me like that ever again. So we got to the gym. We started working that six, that six under league year. Got a lot better, you know, scored a few more points. But overall, like I was never really like that guy on my team until around like my junior year in uh, high school. So once I finally got my license, I was able to take myself to the gym. And I found like a new just 
love for basketball, I would say. Like before, like I, I like playing basketball, but my junior year is when I really started loving like playing basketball. And so that's why my recruitment was parsed uh, a little late. I was also like going into high school, I was like five, eight. And I left high school around like six, five. So during the time where I was being recruited my junior year, I was around like six, three, like 155-ish pounds, something like that. And so there were schools that were recruiting me, like Virginia was recruiting me at first, but I was so small. They were like, we don't know if he's able to play at the ACC level. Like he can shoot really well, but really small. I don't know if he's going to be athletic enough. And it hurt me at first, but looking back on it now, it's like, all right, yeah, they were being realistic at that time. I was too small, but I grew a lot. And then I started working out in the weight room a lot more. And I ended up leaving high school at around six, five, like 180 pounds. Oh no, 170 pounds. That's how much I weigh. Six, five, 170 pounds. And out of high school, I probably had like six offers and it was Rice University Ryder University, uh, Presbyterian College, Tennessee Tech. Who else was in there? Army and Navy. Oh, I had, could have been in the Patriot League, man. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, I actually visited Army, and it's a beautiful campus. But what kind of like stirred me away was the boxing class. I was looking at the boxing class and one of these girls was in there and she was just whooping this dude. And I was like, there's no way I could go into that and get whooped and have to go to practice the next day. I couldn't do it. Like, <laughs> I said, nah, I can't do this. So I was like, nah, I can't do the army. But um, yeah, in all honesty, Rice was my best option for me academically and athletically. And going into college, I was like, you know, I want to play professional basketball. I don't know exactly what level I'll be able to play it realistically, but I know going to Rice, I'll be able to get a good, get a good job after after college. So that was my focus at the time. And then once I got to Rice, I ended up gaining like 15 pounds that first uh, freshman summer. And, you know, didn't play a lot. The first game, actually, I'll tell you this story. First game, we're at Penn. And my entire family's there. And I'm slated to play like a good amount of minutes this game because, you know, I'm one of the freshmen, one of the better freshmen on the team. First half, I play like five minutes and I don't go in for the rest of the game. And that was like the first time I'd ever experienced like not really playing like that. And it, it was probably the most important thing that happened to me in my college career because I was just like, I never want to have this feeling again. Like it made me work even harder. And it helped me understand like no matter what you think, like you have to just control what you can, like control what you can control. That was uh, a quote one of my coaches gave me. And he was just saying, just control what you can control. Like you can't control if your coach plays you, all you control is your attitude and your effort. So that helped me you, a lot, my freshman year. You know what's funny, Trey? I always, I sort of get fascinated sometimes when I hear, you know, guys path to the league and when they sort of recognize that that was a goal or a realistic goal, right? And so one of the things that's just made me laugh, first of all, 6'5", 170, like I'm 5'10", 170, 6'5", 170, you must have been just real thin. Um, oh, but, uh, yeah, right. 
But you <laughs> yeah, said definitely. you got your license and can take yourself to the gym. And then that sort of opened up your ability to just practice more like little details like that a lot. So what was it before you just literally didn't have a ride to the gym, so you couldn't work as hard on your game. So once you could take yourself there, it was, hey, I can work harder on my game and I could see the improvements faster. I wouldn't necessarily say that. I would just say that, I mean, a lot of times I would just have to shoot outside in the front yard, which, like, I was fine with. But, you know, once I was able to get into the gym, I just think that summer I, I mean, I had access to the gym basically 24-7 in my school. And so when I was able to get there all the time, I just stayed there and I just fell in love with it. I, I couldn't tell you exactly what it was, but I, I think it was just me just committing myself to it my junior year. You say you went from 6'5", 170 to about 185, didn't play much in your first career game at Rice University, and that kind of motivated you and drove you to to want to work harder and never have that feeling again. You talked about wanting to become a professional athlete and realizing that Rice could provide that for you, but not knowing which level it was. At what point in your collegiate career did you realize you could play in the NBA and not just any professional league, but specifically the NBA? Yeah, so – the summer going into my sophomore year, I had grown to about six seven, and I was about two hundred pounds. And you know, I was looking at that draft class that year. I was looking at Cam Reddish and you know a few of those other bigger jumbo wings, and they were getting drafted really high. And I was like, I don't see how my measurables don't stack up to theirs. Like, given another year of college basketball, like, I could see myself being in their position. So it was one of those things where it was. Like, all right, I'm really close, but still really far. So, like, I actually feel like I have a chance to get there. And I would say, like, my sophomore year, I definitely played a lot better, but it still wasn't to my liking. So I had to make a really tough decision on transferring. And a lot of it had to do with me just not being happy at Rice and just wanting to, you know, have a change of scenery. And so that's when I went to transfer portal. And when I tell you, it was insane. At first, though, when the when the first part of the transfer portal came out, uh, I was getting calls, and you know, I was getting calls from like UT Chattanooga and UNC Wilmington and schools like that. And I was like, hold up, I know I didn't leave Rice to make a lateral move. Like I wasn't, <laughs> right. I wasn't trying to do that. But uh, you know, one of my trainers he told me like yeah like the big dogs they wait a little bit they try to look at film a lot more before they call you just to make sure they're you know when they call like they're really interested and then like after a couple of days passed that's when the call started flooding and I ended up having around like 40 offers out of the transfer portal and you know I was getting I was calling I was getting calls from Jay Wright um, Shaka Smart uh, Tony Bennett obviously and you know, a bunch of other, you know, legendary coaches. And it was just like a blessing for me. I was so thankful at the time just to, you know, feel like all these coaches felt like I could really help them and they could help me get to where I wanted to be. And, you know, it was tough at first because I wanted to spite Virginia for not recruiting me in high school. (laughs) But I was like, you know, what, I need to make a good decision for my future. So, you know, I'll say this too, though, like in the transfer portal, I was probably like for like a week in the transfer portal, I was going to Villanova. It was like a done deal. Like I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go to Villanova. I really like it. And then Coach Bennett, he had a Zoom call with me because it's during COVID. You know, you can't go to, you know, the campuses. And on the Zoom call, 
he broke down film with me from my rice games. And I was like, so caught off guard because every coach that I talked to, they're just trying to sing my prayers and say like how great I am and everything. But coach Bennett was one of the only ones that, you know, critiqued some things that I was doing and felt like he could help me in these areas to get better. And that's when I, you know, like a light switch kind of cut off and I was like, yeah, I think this is the right choice for me. Do you remember what some of those critiques were? Yeah. So he was really big on, obviously he's really big on defense. And before I got to Virginia, I played absolutely no defense whatsoever. Like that wasn't, wasn't my thing, but he, he would pull up these clips and he was like, see, I saw you make those two slides right there. And I know you have potential to be a great defender. And I'm looking at him like, are you sure you looking at the right film that I'm looking at right now? Cause I don't know exactly what you're talking about, but he was just like, look, I, I can tell like you have a bright, future and becoming a good defender because you move laterally, later, you move well laterally and you're also long. And so, you know, you could mold into one of those DeAndre Hunter type of guys. And, you know, that's what we've been looking for is a bigger wing defender for our team, you know, to hopefully repeat because at the time they were the reigning champions. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you are into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any 8-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature 8-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. That's cool. That's a cool anecdote right there. You talking about the film breakdown. I've heard legendary stories about the transfer portal. Obviously, I've never entered it. So you're telling me you go from six offers out of high school, right? You end up choosing Rice. You enter the transfer portal and you get over 40 offers after about a week from the likes of Jay Wright, you know, probably Bill Self, a lot of those different coaches who are, you know, legendary Hall of Famers. You think you're going to Villanova, change your mind. You go to Virginia, you get to Virginia reluctantly going to Virginia because they didn't recruit you right away. When you get on campus, you begin to obviously practice with the team. You realize that you're playing for a team who just won a national championship. What are those feelings like when you get on campus and begin practicing? And at what point do you realize like, this is the perfect decision for me and this is going to be everything I thought it was. Oh, one before I went to Virginia, I looked at their little championship documentary and it was just like, it just gave me chills. And it was one of those things where it's like, I really want to be a part of something like this. It was. Even if know, it's really... about defense and no offense. No, <laughs> That's no, kind absolutely. of the reputation and, over there. 
No, it definitely is. And, and honestly, like that was one of the reasons, that's one of the main reason why I went there. Cause I said, you know, if I want to be a, a good professional basketball player, I got to play both sides of the ball. And so why not go to the place that has the reputation of making great defenders? And um, so also I failed to mention, I like the whole time during this transfer process, I was telling teams I'm redshirting. I'm not playing this year. Like I'm going to redshirt, get stronger and then go, you know, do my thing that next year and then go to the NBA. But once I got to campus at UVA, I was one of the best, one of the best players on the team. And I was like, man, like it'd be a good opportunity to play this year. Like Ty Jerome, one of my, one of my brothers, I would consider him a brother of mine. He came to one of my workouts and after the workout, we were talking, he was like, so what do you plan on doing this year? I said, red shirting. And he was like, why? I said, I'm trying to get stronger and then, you know, go to the league. He said, bro, you can get stronger in the league next year. Like you need to play. And at the time I was like, man, like whatever, like that's not happening. Like I'm not going to just play this year and then go to the league. But the more I thought about it, I was like, well, this is a COVID year. It's a free year might as well play and I'm not it's not like I'm not going to be playing a lot I'm going to be playing starters minutes because at first I wasn't starting and then after like the third game I started for Virginia and got on the ground running and it was a great experience it's super super professional program there Virginia I feel like it helped me a lot this year and you know within my pro career because of how professional they are well, just to give the listeners an idea, you went from at Rice your second year shooting 43% from the field and 36 from three to your one year at Virginia shooting 50% from the field, 43 from three. And, you know, the attempts weren't as much, but obviously a lot, a lot more efficient. Like what was it that got even your shot more efficient uh, just in that one year? Well, Tony Bennett is a big reason for that. He, you know, has our little shop prep things that we do before practice. He has a lot of different shooting drills that we do. And he also focuses on taking good shots. So, like, you're not – like, your chances lower if you're taking, you know, highly contested shots and you're not moving the ball. Like, And so most of my shots were open, and I was able to knock down open shots. And also, he can shoot the ball really well himself. Like, oh, yeah. if y'all didn't know, I think he is the leader in the NCAA of three-point – field goal percentage if i'm not mistaken and so you know me and him used to have a few competitions and i think that would bring out the competitive nature of my shooting too that's cool i've heard he has a nice jump shot and it's nice to have coaches who can actually get out there and show you as opposed to just telling you that that also is, is definitely very helpful when you can kind of compete and the transition is you know obviously you get drafted you end up being with the pelicans you get drafted first round i think 17th pick um you play some your rookie year. You end up going to the G League for a little bit and coming back. What was that rookie year like? And then you get a taste of, you know, obviously playing in the playing game, playing in the playoffs, having some big moments, and then we transition into this year. But I'll go back to last year. What was it like getting drafted to the Pelicans? Obviously, the season starting the way it did last year and then it kind of changing um, at the latter part of the season. No, my rookie year, I would say it was hectic, but as I talked to a lot of people, they say is that's a pretty normal rookie year. Like a lot of times rookies don't really contribute as much as, you know, some people might think. And for me, my expectations for myself were a little skewed because summer league, 
I was first team all summer league, played really well. Preseason, I think I averaged like 17 or so points a game. And like, I was playing really well. So in my head, I'm like, all right, look, going into this rookie year, I'm going to do really well. Like, all stuff is going to work out for me. It's finally like my time to show myself and prove why I'm supposed to be here. And literally from about whenever the first game was till about after all-star break, I didn't, I just wasn't, I wasn't myself. And, you know, I was, you know, struggling, you know, working through DMPs, playing a lot, not doing it, not being able to contribute, just not knowing what's going on during the games. It was, it was really rough for me, my rookie year. And, you know, it was very helpful to have, you know, my player development staff with Corey Brewer and Teresa Witherspoon and Brandon DeMoss as well. They were really in my corner the entire time and helped me so much throughout my rookie year because I went through a lot of tough times because I know we were losing and I wasn't playing and I was like, I feel like I can help. Like, I feel like I can contribute and I would get out there and then my mind would be in totally different places. And so it was tough, but, you know, just kept working and stay consistent with my work ethic. Quick question, uh, CJ, because you got me down this Tony Bennett rabbit hole. Yeah, I'll give you give me a guess on what you thought his best year three point shooting was at Green Bay. I guess it's whatever that university is. Fifty seven percent. Close. You're very good at this game. Fifty three percent from three. His last year he shot fifty one percent. This man career fifty percent three point shooter in four years of college. That's nuts. Yes. So Trey. Um, when did you first, like, CJ, you and Trey, like, when did you guys, like, link up? At what point were you in that rookie year where CJ got traded over and you guys got to know each other? This was right before All-Star break? Yeah, I got traded uh, three days before my son's four-week appointment. So the 7th? I got traded on, like, the 6th. It went through on the 7th, and I left on the 10th. So those first few days, whatever it is, your introduction, like, what did you think? Like, when you saw Trey, your impressions of him? Well, I thought to myself, he's tall, he's athletic, he can shoot the ball with range, um, and can test shots, can move his feet well laterally. And I just thought if he works on his game, continues to get better, he can be as good as he wants to be. Like, having seen the way the league works, having seen the way the league has shifted from a, you know, wing standpoint, right, like, tall wings are very valuable, especially when they can shoot. Like that's the ultimate separator. And obviously he shoots the ball with range. He shoots it uh, efficiently and, and now he's dunking on people. So I think, you know, one of the things we talked about in the summertime, I was just like, you're going to make a big leap. I don't know how big of a leap it's going to be, but you're going to make a leap because you work hard and you're going to get opportunities. It's just more about focusing on like how to be efficient within our offense, right? Like catching shoots, catching attacks, going, going to dunk, making the game easy for yourself. And then one of the things I told him about in the summer was just tighten up your ball handling, not to use it for now, but to be able to rely on it later. Similar to how Mikel Bridges plays, right? And I'm not saying he's Mikel, but like the way he uses his handles has kind of evolved over the years. You know, first he was catching, shooting the corners, not really wanting to shoot threes, right? Like dunking, cutting, doing that type of stuff. And then he kind of evolved into – catching shooting from the wings then he kind of evolved into a one or dribble one or two dribble pull up and now he can kind of run pick and rolls if he needs to but i would just want him to think about his game three years from now right like dribbling the spots being able to elevate and using his size so i think i was just impressed with the way he works because a lot of young guys they don't work hard or they feel like they should just right. play because they're first round picks or they think they're a finished product when they get to the league you know like they can't right. improve anymore and it's funny trey because like i i mean i i can't say i paid attention too much uh to the games you played last year. Um, but 
I went to the preseason game in Miami. Uh, you think you're second to last preseason game this year. And I'm watching and I'm every time you shot, I was like, the net's not moving. Like every single time it was just clear. And I was like, all right, I'm going to keep my eye on this guy. And then like, as the season goes, it's just crazy impressive. And I think based on what you told us about your past is like, you're sort of re-realize what you're capable of and then just push toward it and try to push past it. Right. And it feels like you're in the league now, but still have like CJ saying all this room for growth. Like if you were to assess yourself and then basically say again, Hey, what's my potential? How would you say, how would you assess that? Like from right now, from right now, I would say, I feel like I'm not really even scratching the surface of what the type of player I could be. Like in my mind, I don't see why I couldn't be an all-star down the road. I don't see why I couldn't be, you know, one of the greater players who played the game. Like I really had that vision for myself because of the measurables as well as skill set and, you know, working hard as well as, you know, just thinking the game. I feel like as long as I put everything together, I feel like I could accomplish anything I really want to. And, you know, I, I try not to limit myself because I know how strong, you know, the brain is when it comes to stuff like that. When you really set your mind to something like there's just endless things that you can do. And I realized that through my college years because, you know, I would limit myself and say, all right, maybe I'm not there yet. And then, you know, I would have like a game or two where I do something like spectacular. I'm like, all right, I see what type of player I can be. And so really just not even putting those limits on myself because, you know, I know how strong my, my brain can be and holding me back sometimes. I know you surprised me once or twice this year. What a, a play or two this year that surprised you? I mean, the one that probably stands out is the is the dunk down the middle. Uh, yeah, against the two Denver. hands. Yeah, <laughs> the two <laughs> the two hands to one hand. Right. Yeah. I, and what's crazy is so when Billy swung it to me in the middle, I knew they were going to be closing out really hard, and I was waiting for Murray to step in like full body help, and he just stunted and went back. And as soon as he did that, I just jumped. And then I realized, I was like, oh, I'm not going to be able to dunk this one, too. I'm a little too far. <laughs> and then I dunked it with one, and I fell, and I was like, whoa, no way. I just did that. <laughs> so it was that was a really cool moment. And then literally next play down, went down the lane, and dunked it again. I was I was pretty hyped about that. Yeah, the athleticism is, is showing for sure. I think people are definitely closing out closer because of the shot uh, reputation that he has now. And he's able to use athleticism to get to the rim, but I don't think people understood how athletic he was. And I think he's, he's displaying that um, consistently. You talked about not playing a lot, right? Your rookie year, playing the G league. Some um, obviously coming on strong, you know, during the playing game and uh, our postseason um, series against the Suns. What was your thought process like going into that summer? And how have you translated that work to success this season? Obviously, you're averaging about 12 points per game, shooting well from three, shooting well from the field, been getting a lot of um, starters minutes or starting. Obviously, we, we've been injured and a lot of guys been out of rotation, but you've kind of solidified yourself as a guy who can play at this level, obviously, and is continuing to carve out a larger role. So what was your preparation like and how are you continuing to still prepare during the season? Yeah, so literally since my junior high school, like I look at the summer as like – there's no way I'm not getting better at one thing or two things within the summer. And so I really lock in into the summer and, you know, figure out things I like that I want to work on. And, you know, I, I kind of crave like the off season sometimes like towards the end of the year, because I know 
like I'm really excited about like the process and like getting better. And, you know, this last summer I was looking at, you know, making sure I got more athletic, you know, stronger as well as worked on my ball handling and as well as movement shooting. Like those are like the main three things that I wanted to, you know, focus in on because I knew down the line, like you said, like I'll have to use, you know, my ball handling skills, whether that's not this year or next year, like down the road. And I want to make sure I build that foundation now in order to, you know, be really comfortable with it uh, as my career progresses. And then obviously the strength part, like you're playing as grown men. And I wouldn't say I'm, you know, developed into my body yet. So just continuing to get stronger, you know, be able to withstand different bumps and pressure from other guys so I can uh, hold my ground. You don't look crazy thin anymore, though. Like, do you feel like you're a little skinny out there? Or do you feel like eh, I can pretty much hold my own? For the most part, I feel like I can hold I my mean, own. I mean, not against Zion, I... but against other people. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely not. No, training camp with Zion was mm-hmm. something different. But, no, nah, like, I, I feel like I can hold my own. But then, you know, I'll get hit with a spin or two where it's like, ah, yeah, I need to go to the weight room uh, or keep going to the weight room because, you know, these dudes here are really strong. Like, there's a lot of guys in the league that, you know, are really grown men. But – I don't let it, you know, affect me too much. What would you say is the best part of this Pelicans team? First question. Second question is how has Willie's leadership style and coaching style impacted you um, as a young player in this league? I'll say by far the best part of our Pelicans team is just our chemistry. I feel like it's a high school or a college locker room. Like we all really get along with each other and, you know, we all root for each other. And there's no, there's no really like there's no real egos on the team, and I feel like it's, it's really really rare to have that in an NBA team, and I'm very thankful to be a part of that because, you know, especially with the way my rookie year went, if it was on a team that you know was dysfunctional, it could have went south like really quick, and you know having you know just as my rookie class guys with Herb and Jose, they were both very helpful in my rookie year because they were just always supporting me as well as Brandon Ingram, too, because, you know, tall, skinny guy from North Carolina. We kind of looked out for each other in that type of way. And, um, yeah, I would say that's the most special part about our Pelicans team is our chemistry. And then I also say Coach Green's leadership style is also very important because, you know, our NBA scene is very chaotic. And I would say he's more like a calming voice. So, you know, when everything is going so – rampant and you know just crazy he's more of like a steady voice that's you know able to lead us but still like get get on us about stuff that we need to be you know being better about so I really appreciate what he does as a coach and the way he you know exemplifies his leadership you got any more CJ because I gotta ask I want to ask something to both of you that something recent uh occurrence but I want to make sure you got all your questions out no, my only other question was going to be why he chose Excel Sports Management as his representation because I also <laughs> chose them. Oh, man. And I'm going to tell a story about this, too, because when you asked about CJ's first impression when he first met me, I'll tell you my first impression because the first time we spoke, I told him that we were in Excel. And then literally three days later, he asked me, he was like, wait, are you in Excel? And I was like, yes, CJ. I literally told you this three days <laughs> he ago. Told me. He told me. Twice. <laughs> he never listened to me. And I was like, I see where his mind is at right now. I just got traded. I just got traded. I had a baby. Um, right. 
my mind was all over the place. I was like, I was like, damn, I did ask you that three days ago. <laughs> so first like, impression, yep. not the best. Oh like, yeah, it's cool. Whatever, fine. They see it, I listen to nothing I'm saying. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. But no, no, Excel, it was down to about three agencies. And at the end of the day, Excel was just the most comfortable agency that I was with. And, you know, I really like my agent a lot, Sean Kennedy. He's a great dude. And I feel like I could relate to him. And he could also just be 100, 100% honest with me. Like, during the whole draft process, like, even during the recruiting part, because I didn't commit to the draft until the day before the combine. But during the whole draft process before then, like he never told me I was going to go in a certain range. He would just say, you're in a good position or – you could be in a better position if I do this, that, and the third. And I really appreciated that from him because there were so many agencies that were like, you know, if you go with us, we have a promise from a team. And, you know, we know that you're going to go from 10 to 20, blah, blah, blah. And this is like, you don't know that. Like, and that's why I feel bad for a lot of these kids because they get trapped into hearing what these agencies have to say. Because an agency could be like, look, we have a promise from this team. And if the guy doesn't know any better, they could be like, oh, wow, like, that's that's all I need to hear. And then they sign with an agency, and then it's just not the case. And so I really appreciate Excel for their honesty, as well as just the overall family dynamic that they have. Like, there's not one person I've met in the entire agency that I didn't like. And they are just, you know, first class. It's really, really first class service. It's All right, you guys should change agencies. Do they have a media department? They, um, do. they actually <laughs> right. do. They actually do. And no, I don't I get a percentage. Be, I will be looking into that. Uh, so here's my two things. One, uh, it has to do with yesterday's game, and it's not about the result because clearly the Jazz messed with the rims and none of those shots went in that you guys were shooting. But uh, I was a, a different show I was on. I did. Um, I met. I said something about Walker Kessler, kind of dismissive, right? I was just like, oh, the Utah Jazz, they have Walker Kessler on their team. And I was just like, I didn't know who he was. Then I got a text from Bomani Jones a couple of days later who said, uh, you know, and whenever Bo texts you, it's, you got to listen, right? And he's just, uh, hey, uh, Walker happened to be like a five-star recruit for Auburn. Like you, and I was like, oh, okay, well, I didn't know who he was. And then after I watched him play, I was like, man, this guy can do some things. So I'm officially apologizing to Walker. Uh, I think he had like a maybe a double double last night, but um, unfortunately, he did. Right? Yeah, he did. I don't even know what happened in that game. I think I was dizzy watching it. Um, but I want to go back to that Phoenix game and the finish and Zion's dunk. And I'll give you my take on it because <clears throat> I loved it. Like it's not just you know an unwritten rule thing, right? But this is Zion at home giving the people at home what they want against a rival, like he said, against, you know, he took out my teammates last year, all that. But even just from a fan perspective, it's not like he went up there and laid it up like Rudy did, right? He gave you, <laughs> he gave you the Zion dunk. And so I just yeah. wanted to know at the moment what you guys were thinking when it happened and then just a little bit of the fallout after that. Do you want to go first, CJ, or me? Uh, age before beauty. So I'll go first. Um, I think, I think, um, when Larry got the rebound, first I thought to myself, all right, they're going to foul Larry. And then Larry kind of palmed the ball and looked and was like, I don't want to shoot these free throws. Here you go, Zion. <laughs> and he threw it to Z and Z kind of looked and he started slow strolling. And I've seen him slow stroll before, like, because that's like his wind up. He did, most guys like run fast to dunk it. He kind of just like methodically dribbles kind of at an angle. And then he just takes off like a superhero. I don't know if you heard, but the announcers at the time were saying, oh, no, oh, no. Oh. 
No, they, yeah. they knew what was coming too. And when he wound up, I thought to myself, like, what type of dunk is he going to do? And when he started spinning, I said, oh, he's going for a 360. Oh, he's going for a 360 with you. <laughs> and he dunked it so hard. I just thought to myself, damn, he jumped so high, so forcefully, so quick. And then he still did a jackhammer. And that was after playing like 37 minutes. Like the the conditioning that he has to be in, the 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 power, the force, the strength that he kind of displayed on that was like a it was like he's let out all the frustration of having to watch us lose last year and having to kind of face the question marks of can he do this? Can he do that? Is he going to be in shape? Will he be able to return? Can he be himself again? That was the exclamation mark on the I am exactly who I thought I was and I am exactly who you guys thought I was. And here I am. And that was a great way to end that game. And obviously, you know, some fans didn't like it. But I think you play till zeros and you can argue you shouldn't score in the games. But if you're going to do it, that's how you do it. I think if, you, <laughs> if you're going to do it, you don't go do no punk like no, no little, you know, uh, I'm just trying to get two points. You right. leave the statement dunk that makes them think like, oh, oh, that's what you want. And it's like, yeah, that's exactly what I'm on. Is that what you thought, Trey? Yeah, so I had a different angle because I was on the bench at the time. And um, just my thoughts, I saw the layup that Chris missed, and Larry got the rebound. And as soon as he threw the ball, I was like, oh, I know exactly what's about to happen. But I was still – like, the video doesn't do it justice. I, I feel like the video on the internet does not, doesn't do any justice for that dunk because watching it live and being on the baseline – if you look on the bench, I might have or may not have fainted uh, after yeah. the dunk, <laughs> and, and so I was I was very amazed. Like that's one thing like about me, I don't really get amazed by people and like plays on the court. But Zion, he does that. Like he is a different dude. Like I I've never seen anything like it. And you know I'm I was happy for him in that moment because of all the backlash and all the criticism he got last year when he wasn't able to play especially with a foot injury that is tough. Like you can't do, like there's not much you can do. And, you know, I, I was glad he did it because, you know, I like seeing a show and it was absolutely a show. And, you know, I commended him for it. And I was like, yeah, nah, put the statement on there. What about the other side too? Like, did it make you feel good that he just did that for y'all? Right. Cause it was essentially the way he said it, it was for my teammates from last year and take that like that, that in terms of a leadership uh moment like that's pretty good one even though some people would say you know unnecessary i think for a leadership moment i think that's pretty decent no i think his reasoning was was mature because i i don't know if i would have had the maturity to say something like that at 22 i might have said i just wanted to dunk because i've been hurt and i'm playing again and i didn't like the way the season went last year and i didn't like what was said about me and i didn't like the way the Suns went about whooping our team like you know what i mean like Mm because they beat us and you know Obviously, we lost in six, but one of those games we lost about 18 or 19. Mikhail dunks it at the end. Like the way they beat us was, you know, like left a sour taste in everybody's mouth. So I think obviously it's just a regular season. So it, it is what it is. Like we got a lot of games left to be played. And that's a team that's been in the finals. You know, they've been in the playoffs consistently. We got a ways to go before we're at that level where we're consistently being in the playoffs and being a finals contender. But it was a step in the right direction for us to win at home. 
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really... Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Who's that? I got uh, one more random question. Who's your, Trey, who's your football team, NFL team? The Eagles. And let me say I've been an Eagles fan since, like, 2012, so please don't don't call me a bad way. Yeah, I was hoping you were going to say that because uh, Michael Parsons was on a podcast recently. That's the Dallas Cowboys defensive end. And he mm-hmm. said he basically just tried to imply strongly that Jalen Hurts was not the reason or didn't really deserve a whole lot of credit. It's the rest of the team that's really good. And I, whether or not you believe that, I don't really doesn't really matter. What I'm curious about is like when other players, because like CJ does this pod, still playing. And like he's not going to go like trash somebody somebody else. He's not going to do it because he knows it's going to come back to bite him. But just the idea of saying that as another active player that's that's a diss, right? That's like an insult. Like you can't go ahead and just say that publicly just because you happen to be like on a podcast. Like it's being recorded. I don't know. To me, I thought that sort of crossed the line for Mike. I think he probably shouldn't be making those assessments, especially when you lost to him. Yeah, no, that's the way I look at it. Is like you should mainly worry about yourself and everything that you're doing. If you're hourly talking about other people, it's just, you know, really talking about your own shortcomings that you have. And maybe you just don't feel as confident in your team. And it's like, I know myself, I'm not going to be speaking about another team or any other players in a negative way because they're not my focus. My focus is on myself and the Pelicans. Like that's all I worry about. And, you know, especially with them being a divisional rival, it's just like, we can tell like, you're not too happy. Like you're a little salty about the way things are going and which is understandable, but you know, the Eagles obviously are going to win the division. So, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's okay. Like you'll, you'll be all right. Maybe you can get it back next year. Yes. Yeah, it kind of sound like a bitter ex when you, when you do that. And I think the other part is they beat you, they beat you handily, right? They're dominating and Jalen Hurts is playing well. It's not like he's a game manager. Like he is dominating. Yeah, like he's not managing games. He's taking over games. So I think, if you're going to be, if you're going to be critical of other teams or other players while still playing in the league, make it factual. Don't make it opinion based. If it's factual based on statistics or analytics or things that you can actually back it with, then by all means go do it. I would never do that. But if I'm going to talk about somebody, it's going to be quite frank. Dawn, I shot poorly last night. Like you can't argue that. Like right, like six to seventeen, or like somebody that's a friend of mine in the league that might might have shot poorly, I can say like they shot poorly and they would agree because the, the statistics show that they shot poorly. I wouldn't say he sucks. <laughs> you know right, what I mean? Yeah, because we're exactly. all like, we're all professionals. If people, uh, if if Carson Wentz would have played those last three games that one year where they won the Super Bowl, he would have won MVP. And Jalen Hurts' numbers are the same, like this, except less interceptions. You know, more running touchdowns, whatever, but it's the same. Anyway, totally random. Yeah. Uh, sorry to get that out there. 
No, <laughs> no, no. I, that's crazy that you talked about that too, because Nick Foles, man, bless his heart, man. Nick Foles won us the championship, beat us, beat the goat. Ah, uh, well, you know what they Nick call Foles. him. You know what they call him. <laughs> You know, they call in Philly. You know what they're calling Brock Purdy these days. <laughs> Mr. Relevant now. Nah, it's in the same neighborhood. Rhymes with oh, oh man. Oh, <laughs> I'm gonna go with the, with the I'm gonna go with the podcast version. <laughs> yeah, bro, yeah, I know what they're calling now. But Nick Foles' name is still legendary to me, man. That's for sure. That's the biggest bar. But Trey, I appreciate you coming on. I don't have anything else. You got anything else for him? No, I'm good. That was great. Thanks, Trey. Yeah, thank you for taking some time, brother. I'll let you get back to the video games and the headset and um, lock in, man. We gotta get this one on Thursday, man. We got, <laughs> yeah, no, nah, we gotta, we gotta figure that one out. <laughs> we gotta get get back on the right foot, man. But I appreciate you coming on. I'm gonna shoot you a text. Uh, I got a sprinter leaving at six forty five for dinner. Got you, brother. Appreciate y'all as well. Thank you for having me on. Nobody yes, vacations in Utah. Well, maybe in the winter. So I guess you're probably Park in the right City. Park <laughs> City. <laughs> All right, y'all. All right, Thanks, peace. Trey. I'm coming to get my iPad, too. All right, man. <laughs> so, CJ, I'm pretty sure you saw this, but the, the league is changing up some of the awards. They have the uh, they're naming the MVP award after Michael Jordan had the new uh, trophy, which looks really cool. A lot of details uh, that are pretty interesting there. I did see the one that they are adding, though. They're adding the clutch player of the year, the Jerry West Award, they're calling it. Um, and the first thing people say is he went one and eight in the finals. Why is he the clutch player? Um, it's because he had a lot of clutch shots before those finals. And it's not all about winning the championships to be clutch. But I wanted to get your thoughts. Like, I'm sure you had some opinion on this, right? Some say, uh, maybe not some say, but definitely a opinion heard. No, I may have been privy to some of this stuff that was occurring in terms of the design, in terms of the awards. Um, I don't get the. It's not like CJ, what CJ says goes. I don't want to paint that picture of like, sure. this was my idea. I designed the trophies. I came up with the names. I released it. But we do give feedback on what we think about it and our personal opinions on certain things. Um, I think the trophies look really cool. I think the question that I'm going to put out there is, um, do I get uh, a most improved trophy um since i won it you know some years ago on uh, 2016 do i get this version were do they I not giving like, away trophies in 16 or they, they gave us these little you know these little glass yeah. you know i have it but it's not this yeah. it's not the george mike and trophy with mike and going up for the layout like <laughs> I, that's kind of dope like that, that would look cool in my mantle but mm. i i think I think the awards are cool. Obviously, you got to honor Jordan, so I, I don't have any problems with that. I think all the players are obviously legends. The clutch one is going to be, you know, is it is it just based on this season's clutch performances? So we'll see who hits some game winners. Um, and, and kind of it's going to be there. very confusing. It's going to be like one of those where it's probably going to be several years before we figure out sort of the right metrics to go by. I know early on people are going to try to figure that out because we're all you know numbers driven and numbers obsessed. But it's it's strange because like did. Are you going to give credit to the guy who made the great pass to the wide open guy in a clutch right. moment? And then that's, a, you know, a, a three. And that's the whole LeBron discussion from back in the day. Um, that's going to be interesting. And then like, then you've got, so you've got to put out the stats. Like you've got to put out clutch stats. I know NBA.com has clutch stats, but that's got to be like regular common information for people is to get those clutch mm -hmm. stats out. So I think it's going to be, the, it's going to be very tricky, but I also feel like it's going to incentivize people to want to take that last shot. It's like, Hey, if I can get an award out of this. Nah, let me do It's just a regular season game. Let me take this one. And you make that one. And then all of a sudden you're going to take the next one. You're going to try to hog all the clutch shots. 
Yeah, everybody's trying to get their, their free throws down the stretch of games when they're fouling mm-hmm. so they can have that clutch right? free throw percentage, <laughs> clutch field goal under two minutes, scores within five points. Yeah. You know how it goes. They got a staff for everything. But I think They'll the NBA playing hot potato with that ball. No turnovers for me. Yeah, no, <laughs> no turnovers, no, no end, no end of game blunders. But I think the NBA got it right here. I think they they consulted with the right people. I think the trophies turned out great. The designs were cool, and the timing of it just it, it felt like it made sense. So I think this was a win. I think it gives fans something to talk about. It gives us something to talk about as a sports journalist and uh, keeps us in the uh, news stream. Here's something to talk about before we go. Um, Jerry West is already the logo, and now he has this award named after him. Maybe they're going to change the logo. I mean, there's two things for Jerry. That's a lot. Your words, not mine. <laughs> if they were going to change it, who should they change it to? I mean, Kobe's the popular choice. So I would, I would, I would like to see Kobe, but um, I don't think you could really go wrong if you go one of the greats, whether it be Wilt, whether it be Jordan. I don't know, but uh, you already have the Jordan Trophy, so yeah, I think uh, I think you'd have to go away, go away from uh, from Jerry. I guess we'll find out soon enough, man. I. I... I think this was a great conversation. I hope the fans enjoy. Shout out to Trey Murphy uh, for coming on the podcast. Uh, hopefully we can get a win on our way out of Utah and get ready for the Phoenix Suns again before returning home. I hope people are gearing up for the holidays and able to get some time with family and relax. And um, yeah, I think I think that's it for me. You got anything else you want to leave? The Kenneth Murphy the Third Most Improved Award. That's what it's going to be 75 years from now. I like it. I like it. <laughs> Speak it into existence now. All right, Siege. All right, have a good one.